Oh, yay. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. This is SCOTUS Talk, a nonpartisan podcast about the Supreme Court for lawyers and non-lawyers alike, brought to you by SCOTUS Blog. Welcome to SCOTUS Talk. I'm Amy Howe. Thanks for joining us. There's been a lot of talk in the Supreme Court world about possible retirements and confirmations. Um, But today we're going to discuss something that is, I think, what the youth would call Supreme Court adjacent, uh, the federal courts of appeals and federal district courts. Um, They don't always get all of the publicity that the Supreme Court receives, but they have, especially the courts of appeals, a really strong impact on our everyday lives, especially when you think that the Supreme Court this year is on track to issue fewer than 60 opinions. The Trump administration, working with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, was especially efficient in filling vacancies in the federal courts with young conservative judges uh, to the consternation sometimes of Democrats. And now we're a couple of weeks into the Biden administration and people are very interested in how the Biden administration is going to approach the nomination and confirmation process. Joining me to discuss that is Anne Marimo of the Washington Post who wrote an excellent article on precisely this topic. Anne, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Amy. Um, So the Obama administration, as you point out uh, in your article in the Washington Post, was often criticized for not taking judicial nominations seriously enough, not prioritizing them. Um, Has that changed? And if so, sort of why has it changed? Yeah, so the Obama administration, I mean, for one thing, the criticism was they didn't move quickly enough. And then your listeners will remember the last two years, Mitch McConnell really shut down judicial nominations, um, most notably with Merrick Garland and the Supreme Court. Um, so it wasn't all the administration's fault. Um, but in terms of what's changed, I think the biggest thing to remember is that Joe Biden spent 14 years as the top Democrat on the Senate Judiciary Committee um, and knows intimately the importance of these nominations um, for enacting policy. Um, and he knows how to get it done. Um, Ron Klain was his chief counsel on the committee. Um, and he has veterans of uh, nominations working for him now in the White House Counsel's Office. So even before he took office in January, uh, they were writing to senators and saying this is going to be a priority and we're going to start working on it now. So during the Trump administration with Senator McConnell, they really filled as many, they didn't leave them a lot of vacancies, you know, leave no vacancy behind. Um, Are there going to be openings coming up? Um, sort of when and and how does that happen? Yeah, so when Trump came in, um, there were a lot of vacancies because McConnell had blocked Obama at every turn. He had, uh, Trump had 17 vacancies on the circuit courts and Biden comes in now with just five. Um, But already in the few weeks that Biden has been in office, we've already seen judges on the circuit courts, two on the second circuit, one on the 10th circuit announcing their senior status plans um, and many more on the district court level. And so I think in the next couple of weeks and months, we'll see more and more judges um, nominated by presidents in both parties and announcing their plans. Do you have any sense yet of whether the Biden administration is going to try to name younger nominees the way that the Trump administration did? I mean, you know, Judge Allison Jones rushing on the Fourth Circuit, for example, it was a, a Trump appointee was nominated and confirmed when she was 37 or 38 years old, for example. 
Yeah, so I, I do know from the letter that the White House counsel Dana Remus sent to senators um, that they're prioritizing, again, diverse judges from diverse um, personal backgrounds the way that Obama did, but also judges from diverse professional backgrounds. Um, they're interested in more public defenders and civil rights attorneys um, as opposed to the traditional um, path from um, big law firms as uh, has been in the past. So the Trump administration relied pretty heavily on the conservative legal group, the Federalist Society, which prepared lists of potential nominees. There's not a single equivalent, sort of a liberal democratic equivalent to the Federalist Society, um, but are there particular groups that you think are going to be influential in the nomination process? Yeah, so there are lots of groups trying to be influential, and I guess that could cut either way. As you say, uh, Don McGahn worked very closely with the Federalist Society and with Mitch McConnell to have this real machine and pipeline that was very efficient. Um, on the Democratic side, there are several groups. Uh, I spoke with the American Constitution Society. Um, there's Demand Justice, um, Alliance for Justice is another one of them. And I know that they are all sending in many, many lists of recommendations. Um, and then you'll have the usual process with uh, senators recommending at least district court nominees from their home states. Um, and again, in the Dana Remus letter, she made clear to senators, you have 45 days from the time there's a vacancy to submit, I think, three recommendations. There's an email box set up already. Um, here's where you send them to. They're, they're prepared. Um, you touched on this a little bit in, in, in that answer. When there's an opening, so what is the process? Yeah, but what I know about the process is from that letter, um, particularly with district court judges, the senators um, from those states will make recommendations. Um, one thing that's different and was a little bit of news to us um, in the past, uh, Democratic administrations have relied on the American Bar Association to vet potential nominees in advance and to, to rate these nominees. Um, the Biden administration has decided to consult with the ABA, not wait for their rating before they make the formal announcement. And that, that's what Trump did. They did not vet their potential nominees in advance. Um, that'll save some time. Um, and I think also allay some concerns that the ABA was placing a big priority on um, people who've had a lot of courtroom experience. And since Biden wants to get folks with varied uh, experiences in the law, uh, I think they think this will allow things to move more quickly. So one high profile opening that is expected to happen quite soon is on the DC circuit, which you cover because uh, Judge Merrick Garland has been nominated to be uh, President Biden's attorney general. Have you heard anything about possible frontrunners for that nomination? Well, Joe Biden has pledged to nominate the first black woman to the Supreme Court um, when there is an opening. Um, so a name that keeps coming up is District Court Judge uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson, who's a District Court Judge in Washington. So I think her name is, is in the mix. So if the judges who are expected to retire or become senior judges are, you know, they've been waiting for uh, a Democratic president, or they were trying to wait out to the, the Trump presidency. They're mostly, you know, to generalize, liberal leaning, and then they'd be replaced by a Democratic president. Is there an impact on the courts 
from sort of this, you know, sort of a one for one swap? Right. That's a great question. Um, I do think if you look at the mix, I think it's 3% of the judges serving now in the federal appeals courts are eligible to take senior status. More than half of those are Democratic nominees. So as you say, if they're replaced um, by a, a Biden nominee, it doesn't make as much of a difference. But I, I do think on some of the circuits around the country, there are nominees um, from George H.W. Bush, um, even Reagan, who are still on the court. And politics is a consideration, but it's not the only consideration. So I think when those openings happen, I think we'll see some. I'm thinking of what Trump was able to do on the Ninth Circuit. Uh, he now has 10 uh, nominees on the Ninth Circuit. And then you're going to see um, there are nine Clinton nominees on the Ninth Circuit eligible to take senior status. And so you, you touched on this a little bit at the beginning. Where does the Biden administration sort of see this effort bearing fruit? Is it, you know, is it with voters? Is it the ability to get these policy objectives accomplished? Is it both? Yeah, I think Trump was able to tout judicial nominees as a big deal. Um, everybody obviously focuses a lot on the Supreme Court, uh, and that matters most. Uh, but as you say, these circuit courts hear tens of thousands of cases each year, and it's often the, the last ruling for, for many um, many lawsuits. And um, so I think it makes a difference on, on both fronts. Um, I think Biden knows, again, from being in the Senate, uh, what can happen to your policy initiatives when they're challenged in court, and, and that it really does matter, as we saw with Trump. It certainly does. It certainly <laughs> does. Um, well, it's a great article. Uh, if you haven't read it already, you should in the Washington Post. And Marimo, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Amy. of SCOTUS Talk. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Case Text, our sponsor, and to our production team, Katie Barlow, Katie Bart, Cal Goldie, and James Ramoser.